1: Everybody and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown Podcast, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast on the original eve of opening day. Actually, we are uh, two eaves away now that opening day has been postponed from Thursday to Friday at Yankee Stadium. The Red Sox with Nathan Avaldi will take on Garrett Cole and the Yankees at one o'clock on Friday. Chris Smith is already in New York. He'll be joining us in a second. I'm in Boston. I will be heading down to New York to cover opening day. Plenty of coverage on obviously the whole season but you know especially the first game coming on masslive.com so we thought we'd do kind of our full season preview you know what to expect from the red Sox this year what to expect in the early goings or takeaways from spring training and as always uh welcoming back chris smith co-beat writer at mass live covering the red Sox. chris you were there for the last week of camp i was there for well you're there for before camp the first week and then the last week I was there for the first week in the middle portion so we were both down in Fort Myers for a long time. Uh, number one takeaway it wasn't as hot as it normally was down there so that was that was pretty good. Uh, but what else did you take away from your time there? What was the big storyline that you think dominated uh, if any or, or what was your just general thoughts on on the vibe at Fenway South this year?
0: I think it you know the season's going to come down to pitching uh, early here. Um, you know like the starting rotation, you know, there's question marks in it without Chris Sale, uh, especially now that he's on the sixty-day IL for the first, you know, first two months. He's going to miss. He's not going to be able to come back till June 6th at the earliest. And so, um, you know, other guys have to step up. Um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, look at you got um, some young guys, and you know, like Tanner Houck and you know, Garrett Whitlock's going to start the year in the bullpen. But you know, with with Houck, he had trouble throwing some strikes in the in the you know in, in spring training and. And then I think you have to look at the bullpen. I mean, like, you know, there was different things throughout. It's like, you know, spring training stats or spring training stats. A lot of relievers, have, there's been very good relievers over time that, that have had terrible spring training stats. And then when the regular season starts, they turn it on. And so you can't put too much stock into spring training stats. However, there were concerns about certain things that were going on, like, you know, Beyond just the stats, like, you know, Matt Barnes velocity, you know, in Jake Deepman, who they just, you know, picked up as a free agent signing. You know, his slider was five miles, it was basically at 78 miles per hour during spring. And last year it was at 83. Uh, or in every year it's at 83 for him. So um, Core had mentioned the decrease in velocity with that. So what we see you know will we see the slider that slider back to 83 when, when games start here will we see you know Matt Barnes not throwing 92 93 maybe getting it up to 95 there's there's questions in the bullpen definitely
1: yeah to me i think the bullpen is clearly the the largest area of concern on the team you know i thought when they signed Matt Strom they signed Jake Diekman. to me that was like okay those are a couple of moves but it feels like there's another shoe that's going to drop and then you know it never really happened so I think that is kind of the major storyline heading in. And, and when you remove Tanner Houck from the bullpen or you remove Garrett Whitlock from the closer role, which it seemed like they're not going to go down that road. They're going to have him pitch in, you know, multi-inning high leverage situations. You're suddenly asking a lot out of a lot of guys that, you know, aren't really used to these types of things. I mean, just look at the opening day roster, which we'll break down in a second, but, you know, Cutter Crawford is going to be asked to pitch big innings. Tyler Danish, who Red Sox fans might not have even heard of until a couple of days ago. Also, might be tasked with some of those roles, you know, whether it's Austin Davis or Matt Barnes. We saw what happened, you know, not just velocity and spring training, but the end of last year, too. It's just a lot of big asks from a lot of guys that you just don't know that you can trust. And, and to me, that's the biggest question mark. Getting in,
0: yeah, it's interesting. Like Strom has had a good spring training in like stuff wise, too, uh, you know, 95. And, you know, Hansel Robles is interesting. um You know, he's, he's, he's just, he comes out you know first game the major league game and he actually first game on the backfields he was at 95 and you know we we don't really remember sometimes that he was pretty good last year and he actually had four saves so who's the closer I know Red Sox stats on Twitter actually mentioned uh Strom as you know a possibility like oh you know that's like who, who are we gonna see I mean could could Robles be the guy I don't know
1: Right. No, I, I mean, we won't know and probably we won't even know on opening day because I feel like Whitlock's just going to get the, the bulk of the work at the end of the game will take until, you know, Saturday or Sunday when they have a lead late to figure that out. I think a big takeaway, you know, for me from spring training, obviously Trevor's story was the story for a lot of it. The Chris sale thing secondary, it feels like it slipped, you know, not under the radar per se, but still a major loss. And now we see that because he's on the 60 day injured list, he's going to miss at least the first two months the Red Sox were counting on a lot from sale and the fact that he's once again going to be sidelined to start the season, I think is a pretty big deal. And and we don't know exactly when he's going to come back. We just know it won't be before June 6th. And the other thing that I think was my big takeaway, and and obviously, you know, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, there is still time for this to change, but you know, sources are indicating that's probably unlikely that there are no extensions done. You know, we've talked to a lot of players this spring about wanting to sign long-term deals whether it be Nathan Avaldi or Kike Hernandez, JD Martinez, obviously the big two and Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts and nothing got done. And it seems like there wasn't a lot of progress with, you know, those types of guys either. Uh, and to me, I think that is, you know, you have basically, uh, I think, you know, to give Steve Peralt credit for once, I think he said it, it's like senior year and everybody's going into it realizing this might be the last ride for a core that's been, you know, really here for a while. I, I think that that can't be understated and, It'll be interesting to see. You know, I said on the radio the other day somewhere, you know, if the Red Sox don't meet their expectations and they're out of it at the deadline, they're going to have, you know, one of the best classes of players to sell ever. Bogart's on the market. You know, Devers would maybe be on the market. Evaldi, Martinez, Kike. Like, these are a lot of players that teams would be very interested in. I know Red Sox fans don't even want to hear that theory. but. Um, they would have probably the number one system in the uh, in baseball by a lot if they were to trade all those guys at the deadline if they were out of contention. Uh, but for now, you know, walk years for everybody except Devers, um, who's who's a year or two years away, and it seems like not a lot of progress made on any of those fronts.
0: Yeah, I mean, was there going to be much progress made on Bogarts? Uh, like, I know that like, is he going to take another hometown discount or right. does he really want to hit the market? Like, you know, his agent. Let's remember, is Scott Boras. And, you know, he did take that hometown discount first time around. And so, you know, but I think the the big one is is Devers. And you still have another off season to, you know, to settle things or try to, you know, get an extension done with him. You know, you look at it and, it, you know, I heard a lot of people saying, you know, like, what were they doing? You know, like this should have been the priority number one, these mm-hmm. guys. and you know, you look at it and they didn't really have too much time, you know, like they had a lockout for 90 days and they couldn't talk to anybody. And then, you know, when they come back, they have to, you know, figure out their team. And there's more that Time was
1: devoted to Trevor's story, obviously.
0: Yeah. There's more things that are going on than just, you know, your own guys and contract extensions. Um, and that has to fall down. Um, on the list now with a guy like Evaldi I mean like you know we saw with Chris Sale you know I I just I don't think they would be smart to extend him right now Mm -hmm. you know we saw with Chris Sale uh they signed him before that what was it the 2019 season and he's only pitched 47 and two-thirds regular season innings since uh you know since the contract went into effect in 2020 um you know Valdi's a guy that historically he has broken down. Um, He's been pretty good the past couple of years and he's been important for them. And it was, if you look at the contract that Dombrowski signed with him, uh, it looks good. I mean, you know, where would they be without him over the past, you know, this year and last year, especially, but like, um, I still think you need to wait with him and see what he does this year. And I I feel like that with a lot of pitchers pitching wise.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, there obviously is the risk there. He's he's not as old as you think he is, but he's still, you know, in, into his 30s, and, and that's something that the Red Sox, other than the David Price deal and, and obviously the Chris Sale deal, uh, have tried to avoid. Um, I know those are two major exceptions, but still the point holds. When you look at this opening day roster, I think, you know, from my end, and we just did a breakdown on it today, of kind of the 25 guys that are locked in and, and four, four guys going for three spots there. What are your, your big takeaways on – what it looks like compared to what you thought it would a couple of weeks ago, obviously, like I mentioned, you know, Tyler Danish looks like he's got a good shot to be there. Cutter Crawford making the team is a big surprise. Um, and Darwinson Hernandez not making the team, I guess is the bigger surprise on the other end there. Um, when you look at it, what do you, what do you see? What, what strikes you specifically?
0: Yeah. So obviously the, the outfield defense is better than it was last year. However, um, so it's very similar in like the Trevor story, like he, like so. Um, so Bloom wanted to get a right-handed bat, mm-hmm. and he got the best right-handed bat possible. You know, and think about positions later. And so um, you know, you're gonna sacrifice maybe a little bit defensively, like you did with Schwarber last year, with Arroyo going out to the outfield for a yep. little bit here or JD. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, so uh, I think that that's that's the way that. Bloom rolls, right? He just wants to get the best player and then figure out from there, you know. And yeah, but I think that we're going to see interesting stuff in the outfield early, um you know. That I didn't expect. I mean, I thought that, you know, I I always believed that the Red Sox would be interested in a in a shortstop, and if that that was that would have that might be the route that they go with the right-handed hitter. But I was kind of more expecting, you know, an outfielder, uh, right. you know, and I was a too. right-handed hitting outfielder, so. You know, I think that, um, so that's really the difference between what I thought what the roster, you know, would look like and what it does look at actually look like right now. And so, I mean, Arroyo, if he's good out there, that that helps a lot of stuff because right. you get if, over. A,
1: if eventually Dahlbeck has to move there to make room for Casas or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, you know, like Arroyo had over 500 OPS against, uh, you know, against uh, left-handers last year. And you look at. Over what? Uh, against left at
1: over 500 OPS,
0: uh, 500 slugging percentage. Sorry. <laughs> that wouldn't be as good. No, it wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at his numbers and like a guy like Justin Upton, who, you know, is a possibility, I guess when he, you know, is going to be signing and stuff like that, but yeah. his numbers are better than Justin Upton's against the left-handers last year. And so um, we'll see. I mean, this, he seems to be pretty confident about it. Um, the other, I don't know. What what else do you think roster-wise? Uh, I mean, Crawford's interesting. I mean, like, you know, I, I lo- I've i looked at him and Winkowski and, you know, some of these guys that are were projected to be starters in, in Worcester's rotation as guys that could fill a type of role that Garrett Whitlock did. I'm not saying that they could be as effective as Garrett Whitlock was last year, but fill that type of role. And I've always thought that with Crawford. He throws strikes um you know he throws, throws hard, hard. Yeah. he's throwing 97 and so uh you know let's see if he can you know be that Whitlock type guy too maybe then that allows him to do something you know else with Whitlock
1: right well I, I think the, the takeaways for me are they they must be impressed with Arroyo and the early returns with him in right field to not even keep you know ref Snyder on the roster or go after you know one of these guys there's you know this year there's usually a lot more guys who opt out or are released who are on the open market this year with the 28 man roster. There's not as many, you know, Justin Upton is that, you know, prime name and he'd basically be free. So I think that's an interesting one because he's, he was DFA'd by the angels uh, so far, according to somebody I talked to today, no link between the Red Sox and him, no interest. And uh, I don't think they were in on Jake Marisnek. He was released by the Rangers right-handed hitting outfielder. He signed with the pirates earlier in the day. The other thing to me is, how quickly they were willing to go with Hauk instead of Whitlock in the rotation. You know, like That's a it really was,
0: good point.
1: It was really kind of automatic where well Tanner's number three and Walk is number four. And then they held out on on Hill and Whitlock for the fifth spot instead of, you know, going with Hauk as the, you know, maybe relief face and, and stretching Whitlock out more. So that to me, I think, kind of stood out. That was an early in camp thing. Mm-hmm. Um
0: well, well, with that right, that one thing right there is is could that be? And I asked Cora, like with Whitlock, do you need Whitlock in your bullpen because you're not sure about your bullpen? Like yeah, you know, probably. And I guess how could have played that type of role in the bullpen? But we we know that Whitlock can do it effectively. Right. Yeah. And actually, another interesting thing that Cora said the other day was that if Sale was healthy, the the initial plan was to have, you know, the piggyback starter type situation with Sale starting and and Hauk extended on those days um and then and then the plan all along was to kind of match rich hill and whitlock because of their contrasting styles and stuff so it's interesting like how things could have looked if if sale was you know healthy
1: yeah i mean the red sox seem to really like that piggyback idea which is kind of you know just totally reinvents the way we look at things but if you in that scenario if you had two out of five days where you're using one lawn reliever like you're saving the bullpen which is not that good for you know the rest of the days um it seems like right now you know if rich hill goes five they're going to be fine with Garrett whitlock going four to try to win them a game on those days it's it's not the way we're used to seeing things but the way it is right now i think it's probably the way they're going to go
0: yeah they have extra guys right now to do yeah. it too you know
1: which uh i know you you like prospects to so pay attention to them more than i do uh not crawford because we talked about him but any other guys really stand out to you in camp or particularly impressive? I know there's a couple you've written about in the last few days.
0: Yeah. Well, one, one, um, is the core mentioned German, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, and he's a From guy the, that, uh,
1: Adam Ottavino trade.
0: Yeah. And he's a guy that like, he's not on the 40 man roster, but he's throwing, you know, 98, 99. And he started the year at Portland. He should be up to Worcester fairly soon. You know, that could just be a numbers thing with roster wise. Mm-hmm. um, and so um, he's an interesting guy. Um, I think Josh Wachowski, who I, I just mentioned uh, before, like, you know, he's a guy that, you know, could help out of the bullpen if, if things, you know, if they need that. And, you know, he's going to start the year in Worcester. Other guys, like, you know, it's interesting that Darwinson Hernandez is down there, and I see why they want to do it. They want him to get work in between every day. He's, he was sent to Worcester, obviously, and they want him to start pitch two or three innings and then really work on his mechanics um because they know the potential that he has. I mean, look at you, he had a he averaged seven walks and he still had a three-something ERA. That's how nasty his stuff is, right? right. Like can out walk a total that many high. people. And so he's pretty nasty. So if they can get him going and figure out like how to throw strikes, uh, you know, release point, that type of stuff, then yeah, he he's another guy that in that bullpen this year that you 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 know that you can see.
1: You know, generally, he seems like a guy that you know has. They always talk about he's not a prospect, but he still is, and, and just the way that yeah. he hasn't pitched that much in the majors. I mean, 2019 was you know his debut year, got his feet wet. 2020 he barely pitched. 2021 he was hurt for a few months, so. Still a young guy, still a lot of potential there. And, you know, I don't think they're giving up on him. They just think early in the season, he's better off getting in that routine and getting his work in that way, which is interesting. What are your major storylines heading into this season? For me, there's two that stand out. Number one, roster has a lot of talent, but I think it's incomplete. You know, we talked about the outfield there. Uh, Arroyo could solve that problem. We talked about the bullpen. They're going to get creative there. But, you know, a scout texted me the other day. And he's he's asking me what I thought on the bullpen and I gave him my thoughts, which don't matter as much as his. And he said, yeah, man, that pen is absolutely brutal. So that's, you know, a major league scouts thoughts on what the Red Sox bullpen group is like. So that's, you know, take that for, for what it's worth. And I think, you know, industry-wide there's no consensus on who the closer is going to be. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it was Strom. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Barnes or Robles or or whoever it may be. Um, You know, it kind of seems like they're almost angling toward that, closer by committee, you know, roving good reliever, but Coraz really wants to avoid that after 19, how it was a disaster. And that other part of that to me is that this is not the year to have an incomplete team for a couple of reasons. Number one, what I just talked about, not a lot of free agents out there this time of year, which there usually are. I mean, we've seen the Red Sox pick up guys um, right before the beginning of the season that have ended up contributing. Um, you know, I know these guys aren't, aren't, Big names, but, you know, they signed Zach Godley, who was not good, but he ended up pitching a lot of innings in 2020. Um, They picked up, you know, a couple guys right before the season each of the last few years. I think, you know, Sandy Leon a few years back, right, that was right before the beginning of the season or in spring training. Those types of guys you're just not finding, so kind of have to go with what you have and barring a surprise trade. And the other piece of that is if you feel like you're short in July before the trade deadline, this is not a good year and and it's not going to be a good year really ever with the expanded playoffs, because there's going to be so many teams that are sellers. It's always going to be a seller's market. You're going to have so many teams that are in the mix that think that they can contend. And there's only going to be a few teams out of it. And so the trade deadline, I think is going to suffer in a big way with the expanded playoffs, because you're just not going to have that flood of good players. You're going to have to pay out the nose to do so. So for an incomplete roster, it, it doesn't line up. I think particularly well to me, they need, guys to step up from the inside whether that's arroyo and Wright or dahlbeck and Wright, or whether that's you know one of these guys coming up and being you know whitlock like in the bullpen um they they need internal guys to really step up for you you know i know you already said pitching is is the major thing heading in but um what else stands out
0: yeah well when you say it's not a good time you know for that and you make two points there also another point is is that the A- East the is stacked, you know, yeah. this year. And um, the Yankees, the Blue Jays are, you know, added big names. Uh, they lost big names, obviously, but they added big names. And Vegas,
1: Vegas has the Blue Jays like the second most likely team to win the World Series.
0: So you're playing in the hardest, the Red Sox, not you, uh, Cotillo, but the no, Red I'm Sox are, are playing in the hardest division in the American League. And, you know, and... I mean there's a possibility that all three wild cards could come out of that and mm-hmm. um, and and maybe in baseball. You know, hardest hardest in baseball. Uh, so you um, you know you, it's going to be difficult you're you're playing, you know, d- d- you know you're playing in a tough division here and you have an incomplete roster. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, maybe they they make a trade. Um, you know, there's um uh, Who's available with
1: Oakland still? <laughs> Montas, I guess.
0: There you go. There you go. Make that trip
1: Anybody who breathes is available with Oakland. But...
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see. Um Loriano, see how... though,
1: he has suspension stuff. He's still suspended for a portion.
0: And you know, and as we know, Bloom's pretty fluid with the roster. He's willing to pick up guys, he's willing to do, you know, different things. The roster's not gonna look the same right now as it, it may June that it is right now, but we'll see. Right.
1: Um I just wanted to kind of bring up spring training was such a rush. There was so much going on that it's kind of hard to look ahead, you know, at the schedule and look at and be like, you know, do that. Mike and Mad Dog thing where you kind of go through and say, you know, week one win, week two loss, like they do for the NFL season. But there's kind of no breaks for the Red Sox early on. Like you'll know in the first 20 games, if they're any good or not, you know, they don't have like the Orioles for eight times in, in April or whatever just looking through it, you're six straight on the road to start three at the Yankees, three at the Tigers. I think the Tigers are a team Uh, to use another, you know, sports book reference. Vegas uh, said today, the Tigers have the most, the, the highest percentage of betters on their over total. So the Vegas sharps think that the Tigers are going to win more than they're projected. I forget exactly what the, what the number was, but people are high on them. Then you come home, you have four against the Twins, which, you know, the Twins still have talent. I know they were bad last year, but they obviously reloaded Correa, Sonny Gray. um, Some of these other guys are Shella, Gary Sanchez. That's a talented roster. And then you start this gauntlet of three against the Blue Jays, three against the Rays, four against the Blue Jays before you get catch that break and finally play the Orioles on the road for that. The first weekend at the end of April, I mean, you're looking at your first 23 24 games against potential playoff contenders like you're going to know right away if this team has a chance
0: yeah and i think you're going to know you you know i i've just been so excited about spring training ending because you know we get to actually see what this team is right it's very it's very difficult to to know what this team is right now based on spring training and i mean their offense is is really good and you know and they um you know, but as you said, the bullpen's like I just can't wait to see what happens with the bullpen. I really I just I like are they gonna be able to string it together? Are some of these guys better than you know we think? Um right. or, or is it just gonna be an absolute disaster? That's the awesome part of the regular season about to start. I just can't wait to see the yeah. direction this team goes. You're
1: gonna know either way. <laughs> Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome either way.
1: <laughs> Chris Smith, so enthusiastic about the job. I actually like to... I,
0: I'm I'm excited about the, the the spring training gets me so tired that you're excited about the radio season. You're true. excited about actually starting like real games and seeing what, what actually happens.
1: Right. That's why I just took a five-day sabbatical in, in North Carolina while you were covering the dog days down in Florida. So thanks so much. <laughs> you're uh welcome. these will be, you know, fully uh in in print for us, I think uh, either Thursday morning or Friday morning, dependent our predictions on what every team in baseball will do. World Series picks from from the panel. We have you know five, we have four BBWA members and the two of us, Matt Votor and Jim Pignatello at Mass Live, and we have a former one and Chris Mason who covered the Red Sox before he covered the Patriots. But um, you'll see all our predictions there. But I wanted to to kind of put Smith on the spot and also give my own here on the Red Sox record and where they finish in the division. To me, I have them at 90 wins, third place. It's a cop-out, right-down-the-middle type answer. I think they're going to be a tick below what they were last year just because I think the bullpen is so much worse. And I think that they, you know, get one of the wild cards and have to battle it out and and hopefully for them make a run similar to the one they made last year to go deep. Um, But I just think, you know, the division's better than it was a year ago. I think the Yankees and Rays do have question marks, but um, the division's better. Uh, it's going to be the same type of slog and and like i said in april you get a pretty good indication what do you have for for win total and where they finish in the east
0: well cancillo i still have to do this thing that you sent me but off the top of my head right now i would say i would say 87 88 wins and i would put them you know third or fourth um i'll have to think about both those but um yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely a chance that they can make the playoffs. Uh, you know, as um, one of those well, because As I said, all three teams from uh, you all know, four. Yeah, um, yeah, four teams from the East could make the postseason. So um, we'll see. I, I just um, right now, what did I? I think I had them at 85 wins last year p- mm-hmm. preseason. You're trending up. So, like, I mean, you should think that they're going to be better, but yeah.
1: Well, I have them a couple games worse, but that's because I-, I just think. I just think the margin of error is so so small in this division and this year. I just I think it's going to be, you know, they're all going to be stacked up. They're going to be beating the hell out of each other, and you know, if there's unvaccinated guys, you know, people don't want to talk about that because uh, they don't want to bring it into sports. But the reality of it is, the Blue Jays are going to have the greatest home field advantage in the history of um, I
0: was just going to say the history
1: of baseball. So that's going to come into play.
0: Boston should implement that. (laughs) Yeah, just for the Red Sox, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's just like oh that would be great if like uh you know some all these awesome stars couldn't play in boston so uh, like the, the you know that would happen right if the mayor was a huge red Sox fan
1: that's true yeah i don't <laughs> think that's the reason they're doing it in toronto but, but regardless
0: all right so whatever <laughs> these are the things that cross my brain and these yeah. stupid things that cross my brain it's
1: a wild wild place up there <laughs> so that's chris smith i'm chris cattell we'll both be in new york for opening day on friday not thursday and obviously covering everything that happens between now and the end of the season.